I'm so glad that you're here to celebrate with us in person. So glad you can join us at home. I hope you're warm and cozy at home, watching at home. But for everyone here, isn't this great to be here together? So glad you can make it. And uh, so glad we could celebrate and hear from the kids. All month, we've been uh, going through one of the most profound, one of the most beautiful chapters in the Bible. And, and tonight, we're going to conclude that series. I think, well, Pastor Pete, we weren't here from the beginning. It's okay. We saved the best for last. So, so I'll catch you up to speed. It's the book of Isaiah, prophecy written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born. But chapter 40 has all of the Christmas message of good tidings of great joy. And it's a message I think you'll find very relevant. I know God's laid in my heart to be something that speaks to me. I hope it speaks to you and all of us here this morning. It's a message of comfort from God, a message of encouragement, a message to call us to prepare for the coming of the King. Isaiah was writing this kind of good news, this gospel message, to people who were in exile. These were Israelites who were war refugees. They were torn away from their home in Israel, and they were marched off far to the east into Babylon. Not too warm and cozy in Babylon. The people were worried about the future. Anyone worried about our future? They were wary of trusting the leaders of the day. They'd been fed so many lines, they didn't know who to trust. Can anyone relate to that? And they were just wary. They were worn out. They were just exhausted from this constant state of tension and high alert. Can anyone relate? to that. And I don't know about you, but 2020 has had all these things. And I, I feel like I can relate to the emotions that these exiles were going through. That sense of insecurity, that sense of the unknown. Who among us hasn't felt worried this year? Disoriented? How about cautious about who to trust? Where to get our news? Who's in charge of the country? Have you felt that? I want you to feel that tension because that's the very nature of the audience that Isaiah has this wonderful message of comfort and joy to record to them. But he has to win them over. They have to actually have ears to hear and eyes to see this good news. It's too good to be true. And so the whole chapter of 40, he's trying to explain to them this great news and get their attention so they'll really hear it. So I hope that you will really hear it because I think it has a life-giving message for you, for you, and for you at home. So I'll be reading uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 25 to the end of the chapter, verse 31. A little bit of a long passage, but it will be uh, on your screen to follow along. So picking up his argument, he's anticipating the kinds of questions people are asking. And he says, he writes, To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes. Look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, no, not one of them is missing. Verse 27, so why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, 
My cause is disregarded to my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He has strength. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will, not, they will walk and not be faint. Isaiah is telling these exiles who are far from home good news. News that the Lord loves you. The Lord has come for you. The Lord is wanting us to prepare the way for his return to take us back to where he is, back into the covenant, back into that safe zone, that place that we can all call home. But as I said, this chapter implies that he's meeting quite a bit of resistance. Uh, they're not really buying what he's selling. I remember the first Christmas that the penny dropped for me where I really made sense of all the lights and all the fanfare that this was real. I was about 17 years old, and I went to a Christmas Eve service, very different than this one, much more uh, low-key. And yet there was a wonder in the room, and there were the carols and hymns and a message and an invitation. And I went home rattled. And I went home with my family, and they were just, okay, let's, what's the next thing we're going to do? Like, what's the next thing we're going to do? What are we going to do with what we just heard? These people weren't buying it. Now, most people find it very difficult to believe the gospel message. The good news of Jesus is too good to be true for some, or it's just religious talk. We've heard it all before. And yet, isn't it interesting that millions upon millions of Americans will be celebrating Christmas? Go figure. Isaiah knows he has his work cut out for him. These are people who have been so high-strung, at such a high alert, such a state of, of anxiety, not for one year as we've gone through, 70 years. He's got his work cut out for him. Imagine the state of their nervous systems, their stomachs. Nerves would be shot. Their stomachs would be flipping backflips. And so we look at the text here, verses 25 and 26. He reminds us, he reminds those first, those first audience, no one compares, nothing equals to our almighty God, our creator. He says, just, just go outside and look at the night sky and see the starry hosts. God placed every one of those stars and knows them all by name. Now we know that with a visible eye, on a clear night, we can see about mm, 5,000 stars. That's what the context was that I, Isaiah was writing to. And now in, in modern times, I looked this up, Google helped me. We now know that there's something like 100 billion stars per galaxy. That, that means there are about 1 billion trillion stars in the observable universe. That's a one with 27 zeros after it. Long time ago, the astronomers ran out of, uh, out of name. Okay, uh, Bob, uh, Susan, uh, 
Harry. They went through all, all the Latin names, all the Greek names, every language. Now they're down to, I looked this up, names like very, very exotic names like LP816-60. That one's only about 20 light years away, which is light years roughly, what, 10 trillion kilometers away. God named every one of them. And you sit here and you're at home tonight thinking God has forgotten you? You think God doesn't have a plan? You think you're going to allow worry to creep in to that knowledge of God who says, I have a plan for you? Quote, because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. So why let worry and fear sap your joy this Christmas? He knows every one of you by name. And he has a plan, and it's a plan that was crafted long, long ago for the first Christmas. And for this Christmas, this Christmas can be the best Christmas of your life. Isaiah is trying to tamp down worry. I don't know if I'm doing that. That's what I'm trying to do. Tries not to worry so much. So that people will hope in God more. This God is, is so great and so magnificent and, and names all the stars. He must know what I'm going through. And then in verses 27 to 28, he addresses the people's weariness, that, that cautiousness. Like, who should I listen to? Who can I trust? I mean, years ago, they had heard stories because it's been a couple of generations, they had heard that they were the promised people and the promised land, the chosen ones, that their kingdom would never fall, and yet here they are stuck in Babylon. Who can we trust? Who should we give our allegiance to? So the people started to give in to doubt, and that doubt gave in to stress. That stress gave in to forming of idols and, and worshiping God, but also worshiping a few things from from idols and Baal and whatnot. And then they began to complain because they began to feel forgotten. Isaiah tells these exiles who are far from home, who feel forgotten, who are beginning to complain. He says, the Lord loves you. The Lord comforts you. The Lord wants to bring you home. Look at verse 27. He says, why do you complain? And we've looked at this passage for quite some time now. But it's not saying it in a derogatory manner. It's really a pastor's heart. He's saying, why do you complain, Jacob? He's speaking that term Jacob would cover all of these people. Why do you say, oh, he doesn't care about what happens to me? Do you not know God doesn't come and go? God doesn't go on vacation. He's the everlasting one. He never tires. He never has to stop to catch his breath. No, not ever. He knows everything, inside and out. God isn't thrown off by anything that's happened in 2020. That's good news for us. Our God is not the author of confusion. That's the MO of the evil one. Amen? Is that true? God is the God of clarity, not the God of confusion. And there is nothing in this world or in your life that is hidden from his sight. Isaiah speaks to people with these shot nerves, and I have the same honor to share with you and to share with you at home. I don't know about you, 
My nerves are a little bit shot. I'm ready for a little break. And this is a message of God's hope to the weary, to those in fear, to trust God. How easy it is for Christians to believe in the infinite power of God, to sing praises to God. We lift our hands in our church to sing of God's infinite power. Yet, at the same time, to just have a feeling, not trusting what we know, not trusting what we read in God's word, but just having a feeling he doesn't have any power left for me. I need to do something in order to get God to respond to me. Friends, that's not the gospel. Look at verse 30 and 31. These people are exhausted. They're just wrung out. They're tired. And into that place, God speaks through his prophet Isaiah a word of grace. He says, even young people grow tired and weary. Young people that are here in this room or at home, how many of you are tired? Raise a show of hands. How many of you are tired of Zooming for school? How many of us adults are tired of Zooming for work? Yep. And yet his grace is sufficient for every task and every trial that you face in life. His grace is enough for every stage of life young and old alike. And he speaks to that here as well. God's saving grace is something he's been planning for a very, very long time. Long before this Christmas, or the first Christmas, or the exiles, or the exodus. In fact, Scripture says he's been planning this before the beginning of time. To bring a people into covenant relationship with himself, created by God, called by God. And he promises to bring those who trust in him all the way home to safety, to security. From eternity past, the Lord has loved his people. Christmas is the visible demonstration of his love. Calvary, the cost of it, the resurrection, and on the, third day, on the third day, and the ascension is the triumph of it and the effect of it in this world. By his merciful, loving, audacious grace, God provided the way of salvation through his only son, our Lord. And this very minute, he offers to you, to all of you, a pardon for your sin, forgiveness, and new life. And Isaiah describes this new life. He says it's like soaring like eagles. Sorry, it doesn't say Seahawks. It says soaring like eagles. Friends, this grace is available only by one way. Verse 31, those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. There's no other way but then for those who wait on the Lord. And we're not talking about passive waiting, like just waiting online, just like, gosh, I got another appointment, God. I got to get salvation. I got to get, you know, and I, I got to get back to work or something. No, no, no. This is, a, this is an active moving towards the Lord. It begins with a realization and acceptance of our weakness. So I'm going to wait on you, Lord God. I'm not going to step out of bounds because I can't trust myself. I need to trust you in this moment. That's what it means to wait on the Lord, to look to God, to long for that homecoming. 
The Bible says God gives power to the weak. He strengthens the weary. For those that are powerful, for those that are self-confident, for those that say, I, I got it figured out. I know my plan. I know exactly where I'm headed. I, I got this. He doesn't have anything for you. If you just want to go by your own strength, we would wish you well. But for the rest of us, tired, scared, knowing our need, you don't have to do anything but look up to the Lord. Say, God, please bring me home. God knows you're weary tonight, tired, exhausted, running on, th on fumes. And so I have the opportunity to invite you to come to him now. He will supply all that you need to be strengthened. You know, when we think about physical strength, it's a very different thing than spiritual strength. Listen, when we, when we grow physically, we start out as babies, right? We're, you know, carried around, and then we start crawling. You guys are now running. Those little kids start running. And as we mature, we, we walk around, and then when you're, when you're an adult, you do a lot of sitting, right? You know, they say sitting's the new, the new smoking. So, you know, I've got a standing desk, so that's really helping, so I can, you know, puff away. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> And we do a lot of sitting, don't we? A lot, of, a lot of sitting around. And then eventually we're laid in our final bed, hopefully at home, hopefully surrounded by loved ones, as so many have not had the blessing of that this year. But spiritual growth runs in reverse. Oh, we, we learn early in our journey when we first say yes and amen to Jesus. I want to give my life to you, Jesus. I, I'm surrendering to you, Lord. I've been waiting for this. Right out of the gate, we soar like those eagles. We have these amazing mountaintop experiences, we call them, uh, in Christianese. If you haven't experienced one, I'd like to uh, invite you to experience one. We see God working like Prayers are being answered. It's amazing when you're, when you're young in your faith. And then as we would mature in Christ, we keep running the race, but we know now, okay, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I thought it was 100-yard dash. I thought it was DK Metcalf coming down. Okay, no, it's a marathon. Different kind of athlete. Then we keep maturing. And we hit valleys, don't we? And we hit rough patches. And we hit curves in the road that we might fall down and have to get back up. And so we have to take it a little slower. And yet, even as we're slowing down, we're being a little bit more absorbed. We're actually maturing. We're growing. Until spiritual life becomes a walking with Jesus. I'm not going to get heavy, Jesus. Let's been running ahead. Let me just walk in step with you. I'm going to walk right behind you. Until finally we slow down enough until eventually, and I hope to, to be here in this place, to be at this point of maturity that I have some dear elder brothers and sisters in this church who are already there, who understand what it means to really grow, who understand the words of Psalm 46, verse 10, be still. You see how there's a, there's a reverse. The more you mature, the more you slow down, it can be still. Have you ever spoken to someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit, who gives you their full attention?
Everything else is crowded out. They give you their full attention as someone who knows what it means to be still in Christ. Until eventually, we crawl into our Father's lap and rest our head on what Scripture says, metaphorically speaking, the Father's bosom to go sleep and to be with the Lord. And that's what it means to come all the way home. And that can be yours tonight, beyond warm and fuzzy, secure, certain, hopeful. Pray that you know that this Christmas. Let's pray. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angels' voices, O night divine, when Christ was born. So, Lord God, I pray for my friends here in this place and at home. For any of us, Lord, here that are worried about the future, cautious and weary of who to trust, and just plain worn out. Teach us what it means now, tonight, Lord, this Christmas Eve and tomorrow morning when finally all of the rush of the season has, has finally come to at least a little bit of a slower pace and we're at home to know what it truly means to wait on you, to mount up on wings like eagles, to run and not grow weary, to walk, not grow faint, and ultimately, Lord, to be by your side in this life and the life to come. We pray this in Jesus' name, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen.